Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. This week I'm talking to Martin Roberts about how we do a well-being check-in for a virtual world. Martin is a well-being lead at Lloyd's Banking Group and recently set up his own company called Keep in Mind. You're going to love listening to him. I know I do. We talk about how to get beyond I'm fine or I'm okay responses. We both share some personal experiences to give you real life approaches that you know will really work. Martin shares why he's passionate about well-being as well as some incredible top tips that we can turn around your well-being conversations and the way that you approach well-being in the workplace and elsewhere. Enjoy the episode. So welcome to Lessons for Leaders. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stressed out and overwhelm so that I help you increase your performance, be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and workplace trainer, helping you and your workforce increase that performance, improve well-being, and make the impact that you want in the world. Now, recently, I've been working with organisations and individual leaders and managers to help them to be able to become more focused, less stressed, and have a wider impact on both their personal well-being and that of their teams. And I recently received a review from Mike, who'd joined me for a presentation on a workshop, really, on managing stress and anxiety to improve performance. He said Emma's presentation immediately engaged the Zoom room and was welcoming and took me to a place of calm. It gave me exactly what I needed with easy to use tools and techniques. Combining this with Emma's comments and helpful advice allowed me to give myself a place to settle. Even though I know I should practice more self-compassion, it's easy to lapse into stress and ignore the symptoms and was a really useful short group session and much more than I was expecting from a short workshop. Get in touch if you want to know how I can help you or your organisation too. If you're not ready to do that yet, then you can get onto my newsletter. Again, link in the show notes and information on my website at emmalankton.com. The newsletter sends out tips, information, statistics, the latest reports and the current organisational trends that are happening right now so that you don't have to dig around for it. It comes out monthly so you can guarantee that I won't be spamming you. And finally, a request from me that if you haven't hit the subscribe button or left a review for me, then please do go and find the little button and leave a review. Let me know your key thoughts and your takeaways and what you value most from the podcast. If you hit subscribe, it makes sure that you never miss another episode. So Martin joins me today to talk about a well-being check-in for a virtual world. Martin's journey has driven him to significantly raise the profile of mental health and well-being at every 
opportunity. Through both his role as an award-winning mental health lead within Lloyds Banking Group and as founder of Keep In Mind, Martin shares talks, presentations and strategy plans on mental health and wellbeing subjects. You're going to love today's conversation. So Martin, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for the invite. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. So do you just want to give the listeners a short intro about how you got passionate about wellbeing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, three years ago, I had my own mental health challenges. Uh, and a lot of that, that stemmed from historical events. So I was involved in the Hillsborough football disaster. And then three years ago, my wife was diagnosed with a bone tumour. My dad was diagnosed with cancer. And my mother died of dementia for three, four years prior to that. So I had my own mental health challenges. And obviously all that became too much and the stigma, the shame, the embarrassment, et cetera. I was frightened, I suppose, to tell everybody I was struggling. Uh, then one morning it all came crumbling down around me where, when I got up one morning to go take my own life. Uh, and my wife stopped me. Uh, and I did the most two important things that morning. I took two steps forward and said the most three important words I'll ever say, I need help. And then I went on a journey really, of exploration around trying to find myself again, trying to go through recovery, et cetera. Uh, and then I realised around my own challenges on mental health, physical health and emotional health, and then found myself in a role within LBG as mental health lead within group transformation. Uh, and it's just progressed from there. And just recently I've set up my own venture called Keeping My Limited to try to do more external support and talks, presentations outside of uh, my current employment. That kind of lived and breathed experience. It just adds another depth, doesn't it, to 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 our learning and to to our experiences and everything that we take into um, companies and, and organisations as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I think you know, prior to my own challenges, I was probably ignorant to mental health and mental illness because until you've gone through it and experienced it yourself, you don't really you really understand what it's all about, and even probably more importantly, what recovery. Uh, looks like and yes I might have been quite glib with it in the fact yes I do train etc but you can't read this in a book you can't learn it it's until you've gone through it yourself it just brings a whole different dimension and that's why now I'm more conscious of my own my own mental health but more importantly how can through my showing my own vulnerability help and support other people uh, around some of the challenges that they're facing especially given the current situation we've all found ourselves in the last 15 months or so and will continue to do so over the coming months and beyond. I only got into all of this because it's from adopting the kids as well really and um, in finding out about how to help them so similar like finding out how to help you but in finding out how to help them is what got me to completely retrain and um, you know to do all the things that I do and even along the way at one point I thought I really get what's going on with these kids, you know, and so I started to train as like a child therapist um, originally um, and did loads of stuff with like attachment and trauma and things like that. And then I realised that I'm going to live with tricky kids. So I don't really want to be working with tricky kids because that ends up being way too much of all consuming everything and you need that different you know you need different outlets and you need different different things and you need to be able to switch your brain into into different places and stuff like that but that naivety as well I can remember that I was 29 I was working for a massive massive um multinational organization um, a comms organization and they sent me on 
a training course. And actually it was for NLP in business, so the Neuro Linguistic Programming. And we were sat there, loads of us in a room, and um, they did this sort of visualization type experience. And they were like, think about this. And it was kind of more of a, um, you know, like a calm place or a safe or a comfortable place. Um, I often call it happy place when I'm working with people and stuff. It depends. You can have a different place for whatever you need. Really. But they did this and they would think about this and think about that. And I just can remember sitting there going, oh, my God, what an absolute load of bleep, 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 bleep. Right. You know, because I was because I was 29 and I was, you know, just like, like living the life. I, you know, I had my house. I went out a lot. We went out straight from work. We were just was just living. Um, and I didn't get this stuff. I just didn't get it. Um, and then years, I thought it was a complete load of tosh. And then years later, here I am trained in it as well. So it's like, well, that's a bit of a turnaround. Well, my mother always used to say to me, you'll find your true vocation, your true niche in life. It might take you three years, 28 years, whatever it may be. It took me 27 years from being a you know program manager, what to go high within the organisation, to go through what I had to go through, to now find my true, I suppose, vocation, call it, call it what you want. And that's mental health and well-being. And it's something you don't get many second chances. I didn't nearly get a second chance. And I want to grab this with both hands. And if I can stop other people putting their friends or family through what I put my friends through and family through and even myself through, then I've got to do that. As you shared some of the great work that you do as well through your uh, uh, company as well. So it's the second chance that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, passionate about and keep, you know, want to take forward. And when we're passionate about something, it's it's kind of almost a lot easier to do, isn't it? But we have to also remember that not everybody knows what we know because we find it comes naturally and, um, you know, and we kind of live and breathe it, but not not everybody does. And it's always, I'm always remembering that bit about sat, in that, sat with that NLP thing. But you will likely to be always remembering that, well, obviously, I mean, you've got a much, much bigger and more significant life events that, you know, that sort of, springboarded you through to where you are now and it's remembering that isn't it it's a big, it could be a small event in a person's life yeah I went through a number of things but you know it's the way I chose to ignore what was happening to me for you know for the stigma the shame call it what you want but it might just be a small event that somebody goes through but for that person it can be daunting it can be the biggest event that they you know is happening in their life and somehow it's trying to try and grasp around there's always choices and sometimes we need to put that hand out for someone to grab hold of that hand and guide you. I chose not to at that point, except for that morning. I was remember as a parent, you always remember your child's first steps and your child's first words. That morning, I took the most two important steps, said the most important words. And it's like, you know, that parent-child relationship. And I, I, I can't turn the clock back. You know, it's part of my DNA now. But what I can do is try to change the path and now walk. As we go, as we go, as we go forward into the future, and that's why, for me, yeah, it's it's a more of a hobby. And like you say, you don't mind putting the extra hours in next work because it's no greater feeling. You can go to bed at night, get up in the morning, think, Do you know what, I might just make a small difference to a person's life today. You might never ever hear or see who that person is, but it's what really gets me up in the morning and gives me the fulfilment around doing the job that I've got and the role that I've got. Yeah, totally. And and I find as well, thinking about it as well is a, so I had somebody um, message me, email me just yesterday and said that they wanted some information. Um, and they said, I've been following you for ages. <laughs> can often seem a bit stalkery, really, but I've been following you for ages and I, and I listen to your podcast. 
and then they sent me a connection on LinkedIn. But the way that so they've been following me, and um, and and getting my information, and and you know, and hearing me chatter away on my podcast and things, but not obviously not even being a first connection. And I've had people that I usually say to people, "How did you find out about me?" And they go, "I've had other things like, um, oh, you've been on my radar." <laughs> I don't think sometimes my brain's a bit wacky. I think that's how I cope with things. I think sometimes I think, you know, it's um it can be a bit dodgy and a bit and a bit stalkerish, but you don't know that domino effect that you're having. It's, it's a ripple, it's like throwing that pebble into the water. It's a ripple effect to as that, you know, it just grows, 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 and grows. And sometimes you might not know who it's changed or impacted, but it is, it's like a domino effect or a ripple effect. It's it's endless. When you're doing like your keynotes and things like that, it might be the quietest person in the room. But that, but then that ripple effect is not just on that quietest person in the room, but it's on their family, it's on, it's on the friends and the people, as well. And it's really interesting points. I think uh, you know, I know we've talked in the past about, you know, when I first did my talk, uh, I think two or three years ago now, I was also always conscious. One, I was nervous around getting up for the first time, but. I was always thinking how many people will come and listen to the talk what if only one person 10 people 15 people turn up but you know what I'd, it doesn't bother me now if only one person turned up and it helped that one person then do you know what it's done what it's supposed to do if 100 people turn up a thousand people turn, that's fine but at the end of the day it's the you know it's the content it's the message that's the important thing around and the numbers now irrelevant it's you know it's the impact it has hopefully absolutely i wholeheartedly agree somebody did once say to me you know what if one person turns up would you just not do it and i'd be like no definitely they've come for a reason so we're supposed to be talking about this well-being check-in in a virtual world you know we've talked before and we've talked about this kind of getting beyond i'm fine there's the stigma you've already mentioned i always talk about the stiff upper lip and that we don't talk about the war worries and women's problems is generally what i say the three w's but People do that, I'm fine. And people often ask me, you know, what do you do when somebody says I'm fine? Now, I have, you know, my own answers, but 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 this is about, you know, sort of your story. So what do we need to do for a well-being check-in? I think, you know, given the world we find ourselves in today, we're living in a totally different environment and we have to listen differently and act differently. And I think personally in the past, we've always assumed what we think the person needs as opposed to what they really need. And we've always tried to maybe have well-being conversations and, again, maybe, you know, tick box exercise, call it what you want. But I think we have to listen differently. And I think we have to try and engage with that colleague and try and create that environment where they can, like I did, take those steps forward and say, I'm having a bad day today. I need some help and support, knowing that they will then get that support as well. And I think, you know, we're in a world whereby, you know, empathy, you know, we need leaders who are empathetic. I think, you know, we've seen that in the past we may have left our personal lives at the front door of work. That's not been possible the last 15 months. Our personal lives have come in part and parcel of our professional lives. And why should we try to put them on this suit of armour or start trying to be somebody we're not just because we're going into the workplace? You know, be ourselves, be our true selves. And our true selves is... We go through challenging times with our mental health, our physical health and our emotional health. So it's trying to create that environment where colleagues can have that conversation. And I think we also need to be genuine, genuine to the fact that we're prepared to help that person. We've got to operate from that place of respect because my views, opinions may be totally different to somebody else's uh, views and opinions. So I think we need to be listening uh, differently as we go through. I think it's also a piece around uh, you know, emotions We've seen that we've all been on this roller coaster ride for 15 months now, 
and we keep hearing around the mountains coming to an end, you know, we've changed new ways of working. Uh, but for some colleagues, some you know, people, that roller coaster ride is continuing. Yes, it's slowed down as lockdowns been eased, people have got off. But for a lot of people, they're still on that roller coaster ride. You know, those people, colleagues who pre-pandemic never give a second thought around their mental, physical, or emotional well-being. Suddenly, the last 15 months, they've been all caught up in this. And you know, anxiety stresses, they'll they'll be struggling. And the fear is who are those? colleagues you know it's like an, uh, an iceberg you know the above the surface who are the you know what to watch out for but it's below the surface where the challenges and the problems are who are those individuals how can we support them and i try flip on it said to a certain extent in the fact we sometimes have to try and fill those periods of silence we have to try and interject and move away from those awkward moments but you know what silence can be absolutely golden Silence can be what that person needs. They just want to be listened to, nothing more, nothing less. So we don't have to interject and fill those gaps. Just let that person be their true selves. And for as a manager, leader, is operating from that place in space. And that's what I'm trying to change. And that's part of the talk that I do now around having a wellbeing conversation in this virtual world as part and parcel of the, uh, my new adventure. And, you know, so just try to share support of that information. And, you know, and I love that, you know, and silence absolutely is golden. And it's one of the key things that I also talk to people about. I was talking about yesterday with my healthy boundaries workshop that I did as well. And often what I say to people about this, you know, the, the, the manager or the one that's kind of leading the conversation or the one that's trying to be curious, you know, and the one that's trying to be supportive, they have to get comfortable with the silence first bizarrely we're all a bit we can all be a bit uncomfortable with silence but often you know in my slightly wacky sense of humor you know I say to people actually you can use it as a really useful tool because that silence is going to mean if you can hold the silence because we have the knowledge that everybody's uncomfortable they're going to fill it first absolutely so then they're going to tell you something and that something is going to be really useful or it's at least going to be a stepping stone to take you to something else or to something else absolutely you know but the other thing that I say about silence as well is that actually it's like thinking time and it's that person might not be doing silence because they're um because they don't want to tell you they might be doing the processing and thinking yeah. and formulating words and thinking how do I actually put this into words how do I get it out of my head mm. um and those sorts of reasons so there's lots of you know, when I explain that to people, they kind of go, oh. I think the challenge is, is how to create that first step, how to create that safe psychological environment where they can come and have that conversation. And I, and I say to the people I talk around, uh, talk to, is that if someone comes to you and they want to have a conversation with you, take that as applauded, take that as a critic, because well, for whatever reason, you've done something right, you've created a safe environment for that person to take again those two important steps forward and say, I need some help. But don't also expect it to be the you know the first and last time you have that conversation. It's likely it could go on for a period of time, but that might be the first time that that person's spoken to you. And I don't apologise for the fact that when I'm, I'm doing these talks around the, uh, checking for virtual world, for some people and colleagues, it's not life changing having a wellbeing conversation. It ultimately could be life saving, and it generally can be life saving. I think as we go through these coming months and beyond, personally. 
I don't think we've touched the tip of the iceberg that the impact this pandemic's got on people's mental and emotional well-being. I think that's still to play out. Anything we can do to bring those colleagues above the surface of that using the iceberg uh, uh, analogy, then let's identify them, let's help them, let's support them. Uh, because it's ones that, that go under the radar, they're the ones that we need to worry about because we don't know who those individuals are. And even and that starts right from a very, very kind of young age that people learn that you know they keep quiet as a kind of coping mechanism. So it, and I often used to be, um, you know, going into school and saying, actually, it's the quiet ones you need to look for, you know, them ones that are kind of kicking off and <laughs> perching around the classroom type thing. Yeah. You know, that's fine because they're kind of showing you how they feel. I used to say all behavior is a communication. So whether it's the quiet bit, whether it's the sulking, whether it's that, you know, because when we were in an office, we would be able to see, oh, so-and-so's been really, really quiet today. Oh, it's been, been very, very chatty. Or, oh, you know, they've skulked off somewhere. So you can see where somebody's been a little bit different or you can see where somebody's agitated or slamming something down or, you know, getting grumpy on the phone and, you know, with, with all those different things. But so that behaviour is a communication. But in this virtual world, we don't have it, do we? And we only have it on, you know, on online, on video. And I've had people saying that they've had interviews for new jobs and things, and they've struggled with the connectivity and things. So if those people are struggling, when they were when they're kind of up for doing the the communication and and connection, how is it for some of the other people? As you rightly point out, you know, it's hard. You know, we're having this obviously Teams discussion. I can see you, you know, I can see your face. But you might have a conversation with a colleague who doesn't have the camera on for a number of reasons. So how can I spot that somebody's struggling when I'm not in the office, I can't take them for a coffee or to the water cooler and have that conversation, see their body language. How can I spot those signs? And that's what I explore around. There are ways, just because we're working virtual does not mean we can't see here that somebody's struggling. And that's what I explore as part and parcel of this conversation. But go back to your point as well, Emma, you know, we mentioned around, you know, we don't like to face into some of these challenges. I didn't want to face into it, you know, 32 years ago, then obviously four years ago. But again, it's taking those brave, those brave steps. It's been accepting of who we are and realising that sometimes we just need that help and that support. And there is help and support there. It's just sometimes we need that and to guide us to get there. Yeah. And it's okay then for other people I know there's a massive talk, you know, at the minute about how leaders need to show their vulnerability and things. Yeah. And I think though often that, um, you know, leaders think that showing the vulnerability again, a bit like showing the, you know, showing that they've got, uh, they're struggling with their well-being or mental health. They think it's weak. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had clients, I've had leaders mm. come to me and say, no, I haven't told anybody because I'll be seen as weak. Mm. But that vulnerability, you know, there might be something, something just as easy as kind of going, do you know what? I'm really glad you told me. Um, I've never dealt with this before. Yeah. I actually don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try and find out. Or we'll work through this together. Or anything like that. Um, or, you know, the other bit as well about the vulnerability as well, I think, is that, you know, leaders need to be saying, do you know what? I struggled. Yeah. But it's not about dumping into that kind of pit of doom with somebody else. But it's often about going, do you know what? I struggled. And then here's and, and here's what I did and here's where I am now type thing so that you can do this sort of journey and the outcomes bit um, rather than doing the you know the kind of well I'm not okay either 
Yeah, and you know, personal stories are so, so powerful. You can't get that from a textbook, a podcast or video, whatever it may be, because it's real life. You've got to live it, smell it and breathe it. And mental health, mental illness, it's not all nice and pleasant. It generally is not. But we can't also keep burying our heads in the sand. And sometimes people, for whatever reason, choose to ignore that. What I'm trying to do through this conversation, through the presentation is say we can lift your head above the desk you can still look around you can still support a person given that we are still in this virtual world and again i say, I say it often you know for some cause it's not life changing it could be life saving people are going through a difficult period and why should we try and add to that why can't we be brave enough to say i just need a bit of help today it's the most easy thing to do but for some people it can be the most difficult thing to say i need i need help so if we were if you were going to give people kind of one key thing that they take away one thing that they might think about sort of starting with to do these sort of well-being check-ins what would you say it would be i think for me Hem, it, it would be be aware of what's going on around you yes we've seen when it's been challenging the last 15 months try to think about those people who are still on that corona roller coaster how can i help them come off that roller coaster ride who are the colleagues that are potentially below the surface on the iceberg analogy ask those questions but don't ask once ask twice show that genuineness around that you want to help you want to show that empathetic and most important as well you've got to be non-judgmental just because sometimes we think we've got the answers but is it really the right answer so again it's listening differently acting differently and not asking once asking twice that's the most important thing i do that with the kids as well that i'll ask them you know when historically you know when they've been struggling and things and they might even come up with something that's been a bit something and nothing and we could have run with that but when you really know the person you know so having regular conversations enables you to really know the person but when you really know the person you can go down that route for a little bit but you can then see I used to be able to see with the kids that um right so we've talked about that problem and it's they're still not okay and it's so it's still not solved it so then I would go back and go right okay what else is it and generally, certainly with the, I know with the kids, with, with adults, we're a bit more cognitive and a bit more switched on. But, um, you know, when the kids were really little, it was generally I used to say to them, right, we've sorted out three things and I can still see that you're not OK. So what is it really? Um, but obviously I had a much um, deeper and a closer and safer relationship with them. But that is, you know, it's definitely about not just always accepting that first answer. And it's a really good point, actually, the fact that, you know, you mentioned about your own family. Wellbeing conversation, even if it's wellbeing conversation virtual, it's not just for employer versus and employees. It's friends, it's family, it's anyone. This is not specific to a work environment. And that's the message I try and give across, that this is something you can take into your personal lives, your professional lives. It's, you know, there's no boundaries and it's resetting, removing some of those boundaries that we've put in place. It's not just for the workplace, is it? Absolutely. I could talk to you for weeks and weeks, but that's a brilliant, brilliant place to leave it. Um, if if people want to find you for your keynote speaking and, and, and for the other things that you do, where can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, as you, as you know, because obviously I follow you and you, you follow me. Uh, and I've also got my own webpage, which is www.keepinmind.co.uk. Brilliant. And so for all the listeners, I will share that uh, in the show notes with the links so that you can uh, connect with Martin if you want to. So 
Do you know what? Just thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure it's going to be really, really helpful for the listeners. Yeah, that'd be a pleasure, Emma. Thank, thanks for uh, the invite as well. It's been lovely to chat with you. That's per usual. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, I really hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. There is so much gold that you can get out of that episode. As a quick recap of the things that I can remember, you know, we don't need a suit of armour. We need to be true to ourselves, to listen, have empathy, look at the different things that we need to watch out for in this virtual world. Remember silence is golden. And if you only do one thing, make sure that you ask twice. Remembering that these are not just for the workplace, but it is all applicable to family, friends and anyone else you know too. Finally, please do remember Martin's key phrase. It's not life changing. It could potentially be life saving. So Martin offers bespoke talks, presentations and strategy design. So do get in touch with him if you need that. The links are in the show notes. And get in touch with me for leadership coaching, wellbeing training and workshops that help you to communicate well so that you can support your people, reduce the stresses and increase resilience so that you have the potential to create that ripple effect that we talked about too. And then until next time, have a fantastic week. Bye for now.